Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning before the first service, dear brother came up to me and said, I wonder, what did you do that you have to preach four weeks in a row? And I said, what did you do that I have to preach four weeks in a row? In God's providence, what started out as a one-off sermon has evolved into a kind of unofficial mini-series from the book of Ephesians. And this is due to a variety of circumstances and situations, but here we are once again diving into the book of Ephesians. Over the past few weeks, we have seen various things connect together through this book, We have seen that predestination basically means that God has always loved you and that he has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan requires you to participate in the life and mission of God in the world. And as you participate in that life and mission, that brings personal responsibility to you, to each and every one of us to personify the virtues of Christ in our life. I was challenged last Thursday night to come up with another P word to go along with these other P words that I've been using, and I racked my brain and I came up with one. And since we want to expand your vocabulary and also express more of our vocation, you see that the word is perambulation. It would be fun if we all said that together, perambulation. It's an old word that has fallen out of use, perhaps for many good reasons. But in my defense, it is the closest English word we have to express the Greek word that Paul uses throughout the book of Ephesians to describe what he considers to be the crux of the Christian life. And so, The word that he uses in Greek means to walk or to walk around. And lo and behold, perambulation means the same thing. And so what we are asked to do is not simply to walk, but to walk around as children of light. And as we walk around as children of light, we are shining the light of Christ into the world. We are spreading the light of God into the dark places of our communities. And so with that in mind, let us move closer to our text and see what God our Father has called us to do. He calls us to imitate Him as dearly loved children. And as Paul develops that, we see the phrase in our passage today, to walk as children of light, to walk as children of light. So think about that. Many people think that God calls us to do these very hard and difficult things, but he begins in a very simple way. You just need to walk. You need to start walking. He doesn't call you to run. He doesn't call you to rush around frantically to get in a hurry or a frenzy. He just says, walk. Live your life. Go where you go. Walk around. Move forward. Make progress. It might be slow and steady, but that's all God has asked you to do. In his beautiful film, Godspeed, 
The Reverend Matt uh, Canlis tells the story of how he learned to become a pastor after Christ's own heart. And he tells the story of how he moved to Scotland and he came to a small community and he wanted to do the things that pastors do, hide away in a study behind a big fat stack of books and do his pastoral work. But when he arrived, the man who was his supervisor told him, your work is not in here, it's out there. And so what Reverend Kenlis learned to do was to get out of his office, to get away from his desk, and to go out and walk around the parish, to walk into the shops, to visit people on the street, to go to their homes, to learn their names, hear their stories, to make time for them. And as he did this, as he walked around, he says in the film that he was learning to walk at God's speed. Not in a quick and rushed way, but at God's speed, the same speed that God in the flesh walked in when he came to earth, when he came and dwelled among us. If you think about what God did in the incarnation, coming in Jesus Christ, You see that everywhere Jesus went, he walked. He was walking around from this village to that city to the countryside, walking most of the time, occasionally riding a boat from one place to another, and occasionally riding a donkey from one place to another. But generally speaking, he walked. And he walked at God's speed, which is also man's speed, because the average human being walks about three miles per hour. You see that when God in the flesh came into the world, he modeled for us how he wanted us to go about his mission. It was not to be rushed and frantic or in a hurry, but it was to walk and walk around and walk among people, to take our time, to notice details, to listen to stories, to pay attention to what's happening in our life. It's very difficult for us to hear this in the 21st century because we want to hear something like, get in a hurry. You know, there's times wasting. We got to get this done. But that's not what God says to us, is it? He says, I want you to walk. I want you to walk. I want you to perambulate. Walk around and mark off the boundaries of your community where you're going to bring light to bear on others. One of the points made in that film is that if we learn to walk at God's speed, we might just catch up with him if we slow down a little bit. In this text, we are called to walk as children of light. And throughout this passage, we see the motif of light and darkness in tension with each other. Paul makes it clear. I mean, he says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And this motif of light and darkness is something that we learn in the scriptures. We can see it and hear it loudly and clearly right here. But we also hear this sort of thing in the cultural stories that influence us and shape our lives and entertain us in some ways. So thank you, those of you who are Star Wars fans. You know that in Star Wars, there is the tension between the dark side of the Force and the light side of the Force. And the dark side is mentioned quite a bit as evil and bad, and you should stay away from it. It's rarely mentioned the light side, if mentioned at all, but it's assumed that if you're not involved in the dark side, then you are in the light side. 
In the Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien gave us this imaginative world in Middle-earth. And Galadriel, a queen of the elves, gives to Frodo, a hobbit, the light of Arendil. And she gives it to him in a small crystal vial. It's water from her fountain. She blesses it and prays that it will be a light for him in dark places when all other lights fail. And those of you who know that story know full well that all other lights do fail on various occasions. And this light comes in handy because it drives out the darkness. And one of my favorite proverbs comes from a great wizard in the Harry Potter story. Albus Dumbledore says, Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. Why? Because light scatters darkness. Darkness cannot overcome the light. And that's very important for us to hear because Paul tells us that we should not be partners with the sons of disobedience. We should not partake in the unfruitful works of darkness. And we live in a time where, if you've been in the faith a while, you kind of get this sense of, They're out to get us, and it's us against them. And the concern, and I hear this from parents, and I felt it when I had young kids, the concern is that the world is going to seep in and influence us, and it's going to affect us in negative ways, and we're going to be in trouble. Well, the problem with that is it puts light on the defensive when light should be on the offensive because light scatters darkness. Instead of worrying about how much darkness is going to impact us and influence us, what if we started to encourage each other to think about how we, as the children of light, walking around in the world, scattering darkness, shining light into the world, what if we reminded each other that the one who dwells in us is greater than the one who dwells in them? What if we were able to remind each other that We can have an impact. We can have influence on others because of the power of the truth of the gospel. Wouldn't that change things? It would drive away our fears. It would give us more confidence in the Lord. We wouldn't walk around with a hangdog look. We would walk around confident and assured that we are the children of God sent on mission to bring light to the dark places of the world. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Paul is talking about conversion. And conversion isn't just a decision you make. It is a life change, a transformation that comes over you by the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a change in your identity. It's a change in your nature. It's a change in your character. Paul describes what that darkness looked like from God's point of view earlier in the, in the, um, the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. He also describes what light looks like from God's point of view in that same chapter. And so listen to it like this. What does it mean that you were darkness, that you were darkness? What does that mean? Well, it means that at one time you were dead in your trespasses and sins. At one time, you were walking and running and playing with the sons of disobedience. At one time, you were numbered among the children of wrath. 
At one time, you were being influenced by those evil forces and by those principalities and powers. But God did some work of grace in your life that changed all of that. And he did it because he loves you. So Paul says, you know what it looks and feels like to be a son of darkness or to be a child of wrath. You know what that's like, but that's not who you are now. You have been changed. You've been transformed by a work of grace. And to tell us what that looks and feels like in Ephesians 2, he says, but God, right? You, you had all of this mess going on, but God, by his grace and by his power, saved you. And you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. So you can't boast about how much you've changed or how you were smarter than other sons of darkness. You boast in the Lord because of what he's doing in you. But along with that change, you see that God has called you to walk in the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. And he picks up on that theme here in Ephesians 5 and says, here's what it looks like to do those good works. You walk as children of light. You walk as children of light because the fruit of light consists in things that are good and right and true. In the great tradition of the church, the language comes out like this, the things that are true and beautiful and good. It's another way to put it. Something has changed you. and You've been radically transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. And so now you are called to walk in that new life. It's a new life in Christ. So we walk in the works that God has prepared for us. Now, why do I keep mentioning the Holy Spirit? I mention the Holy Spirit when I see the word light here because in the context of Scripture, we learn that the Holy Spirit is the light giver. He is the one who brings light to our hearts and to our eyes and to our understanding. He is the one who works from the inside out to illumine us. And so we're called to walk in the Spirit as children of God. Back in the, in the 80s, do any of you remember the 80s? Back in the 80s, there was a band uh, called Aerosmith. And there was this other band called Run DMC. And I loved both of those bands and secretly still do. And they did this thing that we had never seen or heard before. As they collaborated on a song that Aerosmith had put out and Run DMC tweaked it and made it their own and I'm going to rap it for you now. <laughs> oh, wouldn't you love that? <laughs> the song was Walk This Way and we had never heard anything like that but I love that, that sentiment of two things coming together, two disparate, different communities coming together to do the same thing. Well, what Paul is doing in this letter is he is talking about how there are different kinds of people. We've come from different places. You have Jews and Gentiles, right? It's kind of like saying you have white and black, and you bring them together into one community, and they're not supposed to be Jew. They're not supposed to be Gentile. They're not supposed to be Aerosmith or Run DMC. They are supposed to be this third way, this new thing in Christ. And what are they to do? They are to walk this way. And talk this way, and walk this way, and talk this way, as children of light. 
God is doing a new thing, fusing two disparate groups of people together. And he's doing a new thing in the world. And you take that diversity and you take all those differences and you bring them together in Christ. And now there's a living witness of the light of the gospel of Christ in the world. And we get to be a part of that. We participate in that as God's people. And so we're displaying the virtues of Christ in our life. The Holy Spirit is the light that shines in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He enlightens us. He illumines us. He reveals things to us that we could never, ever discover on our own. He gives us new eyes to see and new hearts to feel. He changes us so that we want to do God's will and purpose. The Holy Spirit was the light that hovered over the surface of the deep in the old creation. And the Holy Spirit is now the light that scatters darkness from the chaos of our hearts and minds and souls in the new creation. That's why the eyes of our hearts have been illuminated by the Holy Spirit. He's torn away the blinders. He's repaired the damage. He's allowed us to see the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory. And he does this so that we may know all the good things that God has in store for us. This is what it means to walk as children of light. To follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in this passage, discern the will of the Lord or discern what pleases God. Discern what pleases God. And if you're reading the ESV, which is the Bible we tend to use around here, I'll pick on it for just a moment because the, the guys who put that together decided to insert a phrase in there that shouldn't be there. And if you're looking at it, you can see it. It says, try to discern what pleases the Lord. And in that sense, they sound an awful lot like Luke Skywalker, don't they? He was always going to try to do the right thing. He was going to try uh, to lift something up by using the force. He was going to try to make the, uh, pass the next test. Well, the Apostle Paul comes across here more like Master Yoda. And he doesn't want you to try. He says, no, try not. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. You see, if it's just try, then you get to, I don't know, throw a little effort out there and say, oh, I couldn't do it, and now I'm off the hook. No, you're on the hook because Paul says you need to discern what pleases the Lord. You need to figure that out. You need to make it a part of your ambition and goal, like what pleases the Father. As one of my seminary professors said to us, uh, or he actually wrote this in his book, uh, Devotion to God, he says one of the things that we're striving for as we follow the lead of the Spirit is we want to do whatever will bring a smile upon the face of our Father. The last thing we want to do is to do things that will bring a frown upon His face. We want to please Him. We want to make him happy. We want to do what's right and good. We don't want to grieve him. We don't want to grieve Jesus. We don't want to grieve the Spirit. And so we do what 
the Father has said to do. Now, do we have to make that up? Do we have to try to figure it out? No, not at all. The Spirit of God and the Word of God show us the way. As God said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 30, he said, Your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. So whether you're going to the left or to the right, you will hear this word, this is the way, walk in it. And the result of that, paraphrasing the rest of Isaiah 30, is that you will dispose of your idols and sins and you will get rid of the unfruitful works of darkness in your own life. Why? Because the Spirit and the Word of God will be telling you which way to go, what to get away from and what to get into. So we live in a world where we're among all kinds of people, right? People that are believers, people not believers, people that uh, claim to be children of mercy, some who are children of wrath. We live in this mixed community. And notice that Paul doesn't say what you need to do as children of light is to form your own community away from everyone else so that you will not be contaminated. No. As children of light, we are going to engage the world around us. And we are going to bring the light of the glory of God to shine on our communities and the nooks and crannies of life. We need to remember that God has sent us on mission and he has given us the light of the gospel. And he's given us the light of the Holy Spirit to send us out to illuminate the world. And we light the way for other people to find their way to Christ, to find their way out of darkness and into light. But as we go about doing this, we are exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, it's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul does not define for us what the unfruitful works of darkness are. He simply says it's shameful even to mention what they are. There are some things that are so horrific, so terrible, and so ugly that I'm not even going to list them out. But I think you know what some of them are. And you know what some of them are because you've dabbled in them. Maybe they've, they're dabbling in you right now. You know what some of them are because you've seen it, you've smelled it, you've tasted it, you've touched it, it's been around you. We all know what they are because we've experienced them in a variety of ways. But instead of nursing them and take care of them, Paul says we need to expose them, which simply means we need to uncover them. We need to bring them out into the open. We need to stop keeping secrets from each other and from the Lord. The Greek word for expose conveys both the reason why we must expose them and how we must expose them. It is not... Let me be very clear. It is not to shame anyone. It is not to shame yourself. It is certainly not to shame others. Rather, it is to save one another. It is to save each other. The purpose is to convict the sin and correct the sinner. And also to comfort the sinner in grace. That's why we bring it into the light. It's counterintuitive, but it must happen. I've been reading lately about uh, various uh, advances in, uh, in medical uh, professions, medical research, and by lately I mean over the last couple of days. 
<laughs> in preparation for this sermon. And one of the things I came across that was very interesting is the way in the medical community they have discovered various ways to use light. Light therapy helps people with emotional and psychological uh, troubles. can be very helpful. Light has also been used to uh, treat infections. Laser light has been used to perform surgeries, to cut things out of people, uh, to stop injuries, to uh, shut off bleeding. Light has this powerful way of bringing about healing to people. The medical profession is learning that. Technologies are allowing us to do more and more of that. But isn't it interesting to see that this is what the Holy Spirit has always done? He's always done light therapy for us to drive away sorrows and fill us with joy, to take away despair and give us hope, to cut out the deeply rooted sin in our heart, to drive it away, to bring about healing where there was brokenness, to give us new memories and experiences that will push others to the, to the side. This is the light of God at work in us. As John Chrysostom put it, this is why we expose things and drag it out into the light. For John Chrysostom says, For as long as anything is carried on in the dark, it is carried on with greater security. But when it has many to witness what is done in secret, it is brought to light. So by all means, let us do all we can to chase away the deadness which is in our brethren, to scatter the darkness and to attract us to the sun of righteousness. For if there be many shining lights, the path of virtue will be easy to themselves, and they which are in darkness will be more easily detected while the light is held forth and puts the darkness to flight." In other words, we don't expose the darkness in each other because we're trying to crush each other, hurt each other, shame each other. We're doing it because we're trying to help each other. And the Spirit helps us to do that. The Spirit who has sealed us and secured us for our redemption searches our hearts as light shines in darkness. In Psalm 139, the psalmist says something that is very helpful to us. And may God give us the grace to confess with the psalmist what he says in Psalm 139. If we say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. And he moves on from that acknowledgement of the presence of the Spirit of God in his life, that there's nowhere to hide, no way to escape, no way to trick the Lord. And then he prays this, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there is any grievous way in me. Try me and know my thoughts and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, it's the acknowledgement that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He dwells all around you. 
There's no escape. He's a gift to you. And he's not there simply to point a finger at you and to tell you how much you've messed up and how bad you are and how dark your life is. He's there to scatter darkness and to tell you there is a better way to walk in it. He's there to help you. The Spirit is the light that shines in darkness, and He helps you to see the mess in your life, the clutter and the the debris, the trash, and all of the things that have filled up the room of your heart. The Spirit helps you to see in that mess the things that need to be kept and reordered and put on the shelf, the things that need to be thrown away, the things that need to be carried out, the things that need to be burned up. The Spirit helps you with that. And so as the Spirit shines the light of Christ into the darkness of our souls, know that He is doing this gracious work for this reason. Yes, He convicts us of our sins. He shows us what's wrong. And He corrects us where we're wrong. But He does more than that. He changes us. Body and soul, He conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. And He comforts us by the grace of God. He never leaves us in our condition of injury and hurt. He brings healing to us. And he helps us progress, move forward, to keep walking, to move on down the road at God's speed. A little bit at a time along the way. The Spirit helps us give up our sins for the Lord, and he helps us give up ourselves to the Lord. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we wonder. He knows that we fight rest. And yet we often fall asleep. And because you cannot walk until you wake up, the Spirit comes to us and He moves us and He shakes us. And He says, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father of glory, I pray that you will give my brothers and sisters the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ.